0: Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory and forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is one of the treasures of the church in our daily commemorations to come to know many of God's friends and those who are available to us through prayer and friendship so that we may learn from them, that we may have their intercessions, that we may be encouraged in our own. Struggles against the passion, our own desire to imitate God. And it's particularly the story of the 12 holy martyrs who uh, we commemorate today, uh, who suffered under Emperor Diocletian. And I just want to share with you uh, their story and draw out a few points from these particular martyrs. At the head of these martyrs is Pamphilus, whom we sang about and talked about those who were with him. But Pamphilus was the first of these martyrs. He was a presbyter, or it was just Greek for priest, of the church at Caesarea in Palestine. He was a learned and devout man who corrected the text of the New Testament from the errors of the various copiers. He himself recopied this salvific book and gave it to those who desired it. The second was the deacon Valentine, old in years and gray in wisdom. He was an outstanding authority on the Holy Scriptures and knew them completely by heart. This dedication to Scripture we find uh, throughout the lives of the saints. They knew it as Scripture talks about itself, like the Psalms, the law of God. It is the delight. It is the life-giving water. It is what shapes, forms, uh, gives us uh, what we should be contemplating. And you can see the attention in the lives of the saints, especially in these early saints, a particular devotion and attentiveness that we see in uh, the priest, Pamphilus to the actual text. It's not just kind of an overview, but very specifically, if you've ever looked at Greek script, this is not uh, periods and capitalization. It was all just written together and you're supposed to go through that that's just why there's kind of multiplication of possible errors right there's there's no punctuation there's no capitals it's just script and you have to be able to follow uh this probably explains some of paul's uh sentences maybe and how they come to english where it's like does that actually make sense in english but you can tell with Pamphilus this specific devotion to scripture And, as it tells us, that he would correct, that he would be able to tell, oh, the copier, right? Because they didn't have Xerox machines. Uh, They didn't have, I mean, you know this, right? They don't have the printing press. There is a very specific labor of love given to the copying out of Scripture and making sure that it was correct. Then you have Deacon Valentine, who has (coughs) not the attention in the way that Pamphilus has, which I'm sure Pamphilus had lots, scripture memorized, but Deacon Valentine knew scripture in such a way that he had it on his heart, that he memorized it. This is one of those themes throughout the early church, uh, that scripture was something given attention, but not just like it was the pursuit. It was what you engrave on your heart. Uh, This is, of course, for the battling of the thoughts. Uh, engaging with the struggle against the passions. But it is particularly, uh, we see this in the example of Jesus, right? They had the great example in our Lord, who knew in his temptations to respond. and How does he respond? He quotes scripture. And not only does he quote scripture, but he knows how to quote it correctly, right? Because it's not he's not going to have it thrown back at him. There is in this devotion scripture something to aspire to. Especially as we come to Great Lent, Uh, To choose some of the Psalms, or maybe some of the Proverbs, or maybe some of the particular verses from Paul, maybe from the Gospels, to just start committing things to memory. I don't know about you, but the more that the uh, tech becomes the go to thing, the more my memory and like my ability, and it's something to put aside as we kind of strip down and simplify as we go into this great fast to replace it, to give structure to our mind and our heart, so that when we are tempted, when we are tempted to despair or tempted to other things, that we can call to mind what St. John Cashin calls arrow prayers, or those prayers that we shoot up to heaven that we need help, God make haste to help me. Or, of course, then the practice of the Jesus prayer, which is kind of a condensed form of the entire point of scripture. We continue with the rest of the 12. The third was Paul, an honorable and distinguished man who during a previous persecution had been cast into the fire for Christ. So we have with Paul, we have two devoted to scripture. We have Paul who has suffered in a very particular way and who has not abandoned, has not apostatized, who has not left, but is... And now, I'm going to suffer twice, and this will be his final suffering. Besides these, there were five brothers, according to the flesh and the spirit, who had been born in Egypt and were returning to their homeland after being forced to work in the mines of Cilicia. At the gates of Caesarea, they declared that they were Christians, for which they were brought to court. When asked what their names, I mean, they could have kept the secret to themselves, right? But no, when they're asked, are you a Christian, they couldn't not respond in truthfulness. So when they were asked what their names were, they replied, the pagan names which our mother gave to us, we discarded, and we call ourselves Elias, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Samuel, and Daniel. When asked where they were from, they responded, I love this, from the Jerusalem on high. We see this devotion. Where is their mind? It's sitting in the heavenly places. They've taken on the names of the great prophets of the Old Testament. These are mine work, right? These are slaves. (laughs) These are forced laborers. And they have found hope. They've got new names. And they know where they're from and where they're going. What an example. He's like, no, they didn't have to disclose any of this, right? They could have said, I don't know, Pamphilus, right? Like the Greeks, like these Greek names or whatever names that they were given. But no, they confessed Christ and confessed the faith of Israel even. Elias, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Samuel, and Daniel. All of them were beheaded. There also suffered a young man, Porphyrios, who sought the bodies of the martyrs in order to bury them? They burned him in the fire as well as Seleucius, formerly an officer, who had approached and kissed the martyrs before the sword fell on their heads. Also put to death was the aged Theodulus, a servant of a Roman judge, who had embraced one of the martyrs as they were being escorted. Finally, Julian, who had kissed and honored the lifeless bodies of the martyrs, was himself martyred. And so they gave little for much, the paltry for the precious, immortality for immortality. And they took up the habitation of the Lord in the year 308. What's great about this last series, Porphyrios, Seleucius, and others, is they don't have scripture memorized. They haven't suffered before. And they don't have their minds set on high But as they see before their eyes, these who are being brought to martyrdom, they know the death sentence, all of their reactions to what's happening in their midst and the faithfulness in the spot or the finding of faith in the spot, that they will embrace the march into the fire by this piety, this devotion, this especially underlying their veneration That they're going to stand next to these who are going to lose their lives. That they are going to want to bury and take care of these martyrs' bodies. Because this was very much in the early church. uh, Where churches sprung up, where altars were established, this is the sites where the martyrs were killed. So there was a special devotion to those who were killed for the sake of Christ. And then finally, the veneration of after they had been killed to venerate their bodies, knowing that this was the site of something holy, something redemptive, and knowing that act, that there was going to be a consequence to it. So I encourage you, uh, one of these little spiritual practices, because you can feel it kind of like bombarding spiritual practices, but this is a nice little spiritual practice to be able to just pick up and I recommend something like the Prologue of Okred because it's a little bit shorter sometimes. The Lives of the Saints and some of the other Synaxarians are quite long. But these are a little bit more compact. And each day in the Prologue of Okred by Sinti Pai you have uh, a little homily. You have points uh, to contemplate. Uh, but you also are able to get uh, an introduction uh, to the Lives of the Saints, their devotion Uh, their example, and that we as well can imitate them and ask for their prayers. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.